Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. We're glad to have you aboard. Have a great show for you. Dan Buckwald is going to be with us again tonight. Uh, tonight, he's not talking about his heart attack. Tonight, he's going to be talking about uh, something that's very near and dear to his heart, uh, Veterans Legacy. And our show tonight is sponsored by Buck Sanitary Service. Uh, if you are getting married or you have any kind of need of showers, portable showers, portable toilets, give Bucks a call because they're one of our sponsors. Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. And also Roser Real Estate Group. Um, they came up with the idea to talk about Veterans Legacy because there's a poker run uh, this weekend. And Dan talks a little bit about that, but Derek's going to come and talk a little bit more about it. So let's just kind of move through the program and get moving here. And I got a special surprise for you at the end. Hey, Derek, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, Rick. Did I catch you? You know, I know you're, I know you're at the, the veterans, and uh, you guys are downstairs drinking beer, aren't you? You know what? I'm having a, a Keystone. <laughs> high, high quality stuff, Rick. There's nothing better at the Vets Club than a Keystone beer. That's yeah. what you're going for. Yep. So, We're at the Amer American Legion Hall Post 83 downstairs. It's pretty, it's pretty great down here. I already met some great people. So Derek's a big supporter of veterans. He's a big supporter of the group we're going to be talking about in just a minute. Um, in fact, Derek and his crew are the ones who said, this is what we want to do this month, Veterans Legacy. And why do these people, why why them, Derek? You know, I, I, I talked to Dan Buckwald about a month ago and some other folks, and they just filled me in on what how special this place is up at Camp Alma and what they're doing to help veterans that are just struggling returning to society. And I just, you know, talking to Dan and listening to his, uh, his stories, uh, it just struck me. And I thought, you know, I gotta, I gotta put this out there for people to hear about and understand. And Dan's, I could sit and listen to Dan's stories, I think for hours, what a fun guy, you know? So it's pretty awesome. So this weekend, they're doing a Veterans Legacy Poker Run on July the 30th, which is Saturday. Yep. Um, and all the money is going to go to benefit the Camp Alma. Um, and, and there's where you can buy your tickets. But you guys are doing something special with this too, aren't you? Well, yeah, Rosa Real Estate Group, we're going we're gonna to pay for the lunch for everybody that goes on the, goes on the poker run, you know. And we're going to donate a few gift baskets and things for drawings and raffles and just... You know, all the money goes to the, the Veterans Legacy to help fund um, the camp and just helps out our veterans. So they, um, so you're providing burgers and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what telling me. Yeah. And, you know, that have you ever done the poker run before? You know, we did a few years ago when I had a bike. I'm going to probably be driving my Bronco in it this year. I don't have two wheels anymore. I just have four. So he said that you know. anybody can. He said anybody can come do it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just open to everybody. 
it's open to everybody, you know, the, the bikes, uh, he said, Dan said, you know, if you have a classic car, you want to join in, that's great. It, it's, uh, they're going to have breakfast on Saturday morning, I believe, at, uh, starting around 8, 8.30, and then the kickstand's up at 10 o'clock. So if you don't have a kickstand and you have four wheels, you don't have to kick your kickstand up. So, so does this start out there at the camp? No, this starts at the uh, at uh, uh, post eighty three, so it starts here on River Road. Okay, and then you guys yeah. they have a new they have Dan's going to explain a little bit, but they have a new um, a new route that they're taking, and you get to go all kinds of cool places. Yeah, so you'll pick up a poker hand, and I think it starts in Harrisburg, and then it runs out to Monroe, and then it'll go up to Camp Alma out uh, west of Crow. And there's a few other stops after that. Uh, I think lunch is going to be, I can't remember if lunch is going to be at Camp Alma or if it's going to be um, at the end. I think it ends up at Discount Motorcycle Parts. So, and, and then they got prizes, like money, like real like money. money. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the, uh, yeah, we're, I've got a couple of gift baskets where um, we've donated uh, one of the people, the local businesses I support is Blue Rose Auto or Blue Rose Detailing. And I've got a couple of detailing gift cards for that, a couple hundred bucks worth on each of those gift cards that are going to be in the raffle. There's other people that are putting together raffle gifts too. It's it's just great. It'll be a fun event. Breakfast, great people uh, with the right the right heart and the right motivation. So you can sign up day of. In fact, at this point, I think you're supposed to, aren't you? Yeah, just go. Just just come out to Post 83 on North North River Road, uh, American Legion Hall, and sign up there. So, okay, Derek, so I can't have you on here without asking, since you're, you're my realtor of choice. Um, yeah. Feds raised the interest rates three quarters of a percent. What does that mean to people looking for a home? You know, it doesn't directly correlate to the mortgage rate. Um, I'm not the smartest person when it comes to that, but I do have some great uh, resources and some good lenders that I can hook people up with. So it really uh, shouldn't scare anybody. Um, you know, it's trying to, they did that to try and correct the inflation. And again, I'm not an economist, but um, I do have some answers for people. And it's not a direct correlation to the mortgage rate. So give me a call, you know, if you have any questions about it. And what, do you know what it is right now about? Is it five and a half? You know, it jumped up to, to six. And you can, you know, it's still hovering around 6%. Um, for a 30-year fixed, but it depends on a lot of factors, and uh, there's no there's no set set in stone rate. Right, because so, it depends on how much you want to put down too. You can change that too. Yeah, it depends on how much you want to put down, what your credit score is, what kind of program you're you're going, whether you're a, a, a veteran with a VA loan or you know USDA or conventional. So there's a lot of factors that come into play, and and I can help with that. Okay. Um, Lynn, yeah. you're asking, is this the center John LeBeau is supporting? It is, in fact, the same one that John's involved with. Uh, Terry Poker Run for Veterans. Yep, that's what's going on. So that's, that's what it exactly. is. That's exactly, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. All right, Derek, I'm going to pop up uh, Dan's interview, and he'll tell us more about what's going on out there at Army Work Camp. So All right. um, go back to your Keystone and have a good time. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Rick. You know what? I really hope more a lot of people show up. You know, we'll have plenty of food and plenty of prizes for people. Thanks. All right. Thanks, All right. Derek. All right. And again, you guys should show up. It is a really good time. And you're doing, you know, we all talk about homelessness and what we can and can't do. Um, this is something you can participate in. And that's what they need. They don't get a lot of dollars from other people. It's, it's all private donations.
So let's have this interview. I did this the other day with uh, Dan Buckwald, uh, who is with John Lebeau. They started the idea, the idea, and they started the place. I had to bring this next guest on. Um, why? Because <laughs> he's a knucklehead. <laughs> And I've known Dan for a long time, uh, back when he was uh, uh, working for the county in the sheriff's department. And then he got joined up with John and Veterans Legacy, and they started purchasing this uh, amazing forest work camp that wasn't being used. And they had an idea. And here to talk about their idea, Dan Buckwell. Um, hey, thank right. you for being here. So, I, you know, the first, I think, pardon me? It's good to be here. Yeah, it really is good. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so Derek Roser and those guys are really big on promoting. They're going to be talking about uh, the event, the actual um, ride. But they're, you, you tell, tell folks how this started in terms of taking a, 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 a really nice facility that was just sitting there kind of going to waste and transforming it into what it is today. Well, Ricky, as you know, I retired from the sheriff's office. I worked there almost 29 years, and that's where you and I had met. I think when I was just a deputy and <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was in there on a, a bum charge. I don't remember what it was, but it it, it, it was not true. Rick, it was so long ago that I don't think either one of us had facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this camp, you know, I'd worked out there for 13 years. And, and I got to be honest, I, I, I could really feel that, that the land had healing powers uh, because men as inmates would come out there and, and it would have a, a change in, on how they saw life. Um, anytime you can get anybody to to really look at their self-ego, to develop that again. I mean, you can't like others until you like yourself. And um, it, th this place was just phenomenal. So for me to be able to retire and go back home, because I spent 13 years out there, was you know a blessing. Um, and, and you saw a lot of, of um, what do we call them? Uh, you know, people in, imprisoned mm -hmm. uh, who were at the forest work camp working. So these are mm -hmm. low risk offenders mostly. Right. Um, but you saw a lot of those people uh, truly reformed. I mean, it changed them. They would come out there and they would actually take a part of what we were doing out there. They, they kind of got the concept. Our goal was leave better than when you got it. That's mine. You know, if you don't have your G, GD, get it now. Um, the guys that worked in the kitchen, they were enrolled in the LCC apprenticeship program. These guys were trained in wildland firefighting by state forestry. That was a job when they got out. They got trained in by Steel Corporation to run chainsaws. And we had a class where we had deputies sitting next to inmates, sitting next to BLM, sitting next to Forest Service, sitting next to State Forestry. It was a cool opportunity. And to be able to take all these different folks and say, we want you back in our community. How do we get you there? And that day is really still what we're doing with the veterans as well. And uh, in 2016, I got a call from John Lebeau asking about if I knew anything about this camp, he'd got my name from someone. And so we started having a conversation. It was easy to drink the Kool-Aid, uh, having been a veteran, having worked so long out there. And at the time, being a captain of the sheriff's office didn't hurt. And um, I knew the county couldn't do anything with this property because it was zoned for F1 forestry, but it had a special use permit for rehabilitation. Uh, and for the county to sell it uh, you know, outright, put up for bid, they would almost have to go out there and take everything out that they put in. Which is ridiculous because it's a great facility. Yeah, it would have cost them all kinds of money there. So uh, we made a bid. Uh, they put it out for RFP, and um, I, I went and talked to the Board of County Commissioners, and I said, you know, when we started this, our biggest cadre of volunteers was not veterans. It was actually inmates 
I did time out there in the 90s and the early 2000s. And these are folks that really have their own businesses now. I mean, when you look at addiction, addiction's a killer, and you know that. Um, you know, when these guys learn how to live with their addiction, there's a lot of good people out there. Well, they, we brought Nick out, um, who's a friend of mine, and came out, and you remember Nick, and he came mm -hmm. out to the facility out there. And he says that that the solitude of that place being so far, because it's, what, 45 minutes from, from Eugene? Uh, it is. And, and what I tell people is when you step outside, you don't hear the trains, the traffic, or the sirens. And nobody's trying to sell you something you don't need. And there's a big difference there. So when you get these guys to come out there and actually take part of, you know, essentially be, being a part of something bigger than themselves, it means a lot. Do you think that the magic is also that you said you had deputies working with, you're all in classes together. So all of a sudden they're not really an inmate. They're really more like on the same level of that. We're all learning together here. That's got to say a lot to somebody who's been put down and feels horrible sure. about themselves, you know? You know, I got to tell you, you know, as a supervisor, as a deputy out there, I learned a lot from these guys. And um, there were guys that I, I wish I could go fishing with them. Now I can, but um, back then you couldn't, you know, you, could, you had to have that separation. But um, I met a lot of g really good men come through that program that I never saw again. And in, in corrections, your goal here, especially in the sheriff's office, you're always going to have faces. You want to see new faces. You know, ideally, you know, I don't, don't want to see you, you don't want to be so familiar with the people coming in because you're seeing them because they did was, it again. Yeah, there were some that you, you saw the grandparents, you saw the parents, you saw the kids. And um, you know, you want to break that cycle. And the the nice thing about the, the county, nobody stays there forever. They're either released, go to prison, but nobody ever stays there forever and, and you really can impact folks. You know, we didn't use the term change agent back then, but really it's true. And uh a little kindness goes a long ways. Not that we're, you know, I wasn't a cuffing stuff and I wasn't a hug a thug either, but it was treating people the way you'd want to be treated. They said, please and, they said, please and thank you because we said, please and thank you. Right. And, and a lot of respect, especially like now what you're dealing with now, how does that translate with the, the homeless veteran community? Because addiction is addiction, right? I've gone into the jail and interviewed veterans in the jail and brought them out to the camp. And, um, it's, it's along the same vein. Again, if you're a veteran, it's different no matter what you do. If you throw a veteran in front of it, it's always different. But um, we've got, we've had some guys come out there that are just, you know, when I see us actually hiring some kind of following sponsors model, model where these guys, um, we have seven guys out there right now. And again, we're not funded yet, and we'll talk about that. But these guys, uh, they go to treatment three days a week. Uh, some are involved with Veterans Court where they have a PO and they report to the judge. Um, and it's it's really keeping them in check as far as having to answer to somebody. But out there at the camp, they answer to all of us because we talk a lot about self-governance, meaning you guys got to be able to get along. We, 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 we do a lot of uh, de-escalation techniques. And uh, when I was out there on a, on a regular basis, we would meet once a week and we'd talk about what was the best thing that happened this week and what was the worst. And then how do we listen to each other? Uh, because they're, they're building community. And I think that really made a, a big difference because a lot of these guys, a lot of these vets that came out there, they just want to know that somebody cared. At the end of the day, just knowing that somebody cared. So Dan, is that something you find? Okay, because you, you know, and I'm not saying you're a big expert or anything, but you have lived this life on the other side of, I mean, your clientele were addicts, really, mostly mm -hmm. for your most of your career probably. Sure. What is the, like, if there's like one or two things that, 
the people with addiction, what are common themes in the lives of people like that? I'm not saying everybody's the same, but there's a common theme. Right. Well, I, I think a, a big part of it is, is waking up each day and saying, not today. You know, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to drink today. Um, knowing that to me that you know, treatment provides the tools and support, but ultimately it's up to each person. And how do you make that happen? And, and for me, I, I used to always tell these guys, I get high on life. There's a natural high out there. And until you felt it, I mean, it's great. Um, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't any of that stuff, but I enjoy laughing. Uh, there's a lot of funny out there, and, and I think a lot of us have forgotten how to laugh. Um, we take things way too seriously. And for these guys here, it's about being able to rely on each other. And they, they call each other. You know, the one one was wearing a, oh, it was a Cheech and Chong t-shirt, and, and another guy says, I, I, I like your shirt, but it makes me want to smoke pot. It takes me back to when I smoke pot. Can you not wear that shirt? And the guy wearing the shirt says, yeah, I totally get it. Takes the shirt off, doesn't wear it again. So just being able to have a, a true com, uh, camaraderie, and that's one thing that in the military, all of us had. Well, yeah. somebody always had our back. And, and we, then it's part of the problem, Dan, though, then you come back and and and, cult, and life isn't like that anymore. Uh, and we don't live in a place where people really, um, I, I don't know, I, I'd hate to say care about people, but there's a lot of people that, these are guys and women who are falling through the cracks and, <laughs> A lot of people build walls. I always say, you know, uh, you build walls, I build bridges, and I just get over it. <laughs> but for these guys, uh, developing trust again, because in the homeless world, it seems like they all live in the next four hours. Where's my next meal, my next cigarette? Who's going to try to steal my stuff while I'm gone? You know, And getting them to come out here to realize that nobody's going to steal your stuff out here. There is an expectation. You know, We don't charge rent. We expect you to help with a farm. Um, and you're welcome to leave anytime you want. Uh, it can't, nothing can get physical out there. You know, we're just too far away for that. Uh, you have to learn how to get along with each other. And, uh, you know, it was my role for a long time to kind of have those uncomfortable conversations. Hey, in the real world, we don't sleep until 11. Get up, let's go. <laughs> um, so do, do people, I know they need, but do people really want boundaries, do you think? Um, I think so. Uh, and I say that because, these guys want roles. They, they want they want to know what their roles. What, what's their expectation? And you know, we always talk about you know this is our, our our expectation from you, but what's your expectation from us? Let's go back and forth and let's talk about you know ideally nobody stays out here for you know, a year, nobody dies out here. But how do we you know if our committee wants you back in, how do we get you back in it? And what I would tell folks too is that with this uh, program out here, you got to pay it forward. Like I said, we don't charge you rent. But if you get a disability, it doesn't mean you're disabled. I think if everybody volunteered and everybody paid it forward, this would be a much better world. Do you, think, do you think they want to, though, too? Oh, I do. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of folks have, have closed, you know, because of those, those walls they build, they really shut themselves out from what's going on outside. And out here, we laugh every day. So they enjoy that. They, you know, one of them said, uh, I went to treatment and I realized um, – you know, there's some guys that are much worse off than I am. I said, yeah, that was you two months ago. You were that guy that was, that was the worst off. And look right. at you. You know, having social skills, being able to talk with others, being included in a group, helping cook meals, sitting down and eating meals together at the table. It's, it makes a huge difference. So where does your funding come from? So right now everything's off donations. Um, 
and we've done pretty good with, with several different organizations. I think a lot of people come out to the camp and it's really important to have people come out to the camp. I can describe it, but to you, like you did, you walk it, you feel it, you see the esprit de corps, um, you hear the quiet, it makes a big difference. And we're actually gonna get funded through measure 110, which was the marijuana tax. So if you buy gummies or whatnot, you pay 20% on them. But part of that money was dedicated to uh, supportive housing and treatment. And we, we, we joined a uh, LLC here in Oregon, or excuse me, in Lane County. And Lane County, as you know, of the five big counties, we always th did things a little differently down here because it worked for us. Right. And um, so we partnered up with uh, Emergence. So our guys go through Emergence Drug and Alcohol Treatment, which in counseling services, because Emergence also supplies the, uh, the treatment for Veterans Court and Treatment Court. But more so because Veterans Court, it's that tie-in that we have with them as well because we're partners with Veterans Court as well. And for these guys that are with us, we had one vet, and he's allowed me to tell a story. 32 years in the Army, Rick. He's my age. He's 56. And it was all infantry. He was in, he was an E-8 uh, sergeant uh, major. He was in line for command sergeant, and he just didn't want to be in there anymore. But because of his PTSD and his um, TBI, traumatic brain injury, he had issues. And there was a night that everything kind of went to hell for him and there was a gun involved and he shot the gun into the ground and he shot it in the air and probably was going to wind up going to prison. And to hear the district attorney say, your honor, this is a man that doesn't belong in prison. Huh. And uh, I'd interviewed him in the jail and um, he was accepted into veterans court. So I, I actually got him, walked him out from the jail. We went to a breakfast and we, as we went to a restaurant right down the street. I said, Hey, uh, Warren, the first thing I'd like you to do is open and close that door. Well, why? because you can now, because he spent one week shy of a full year in Lane County Jail. And while we had plenty of really good programs in the jail for him, this was completely different. This man is just, he's a natural leader, uh, but again, he's a man that served his country for 32 years. Wow. And one bad night was well, gonna change his entire life. Yeah, I have a friend who's a former military on the streets, mm -hmm. Richard, and right. one time I, said to him, so how did you end up as an alcoholic? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he goes, I killed someone. Mm -hmm. I said, who did you kill? He said, my best friend. Mm -hmm. I said, how did you kill him? And he said, drunk driving. Mm -hmm. I was driving, I was drunk. He died, I didn't. Yep. And I think Richard's still on the street, goes back and forth between, you know, right. clean and clean and you know, and it's, I, I think we forget that, you know, it's, it's easy to look on the side of the street and go, mm, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what kind of bothers me about Eugene right now is we become like a Mecca for all the homeless around the country. And so the funding then gets so dispersed amongst these people coming here because we have, you know, Heroin is not illegal anymore, small amounts, and methamphetamine. I asked a guy one time, why do you guys, why do people come here? He goes, because we get all the medical services. We got, I mean, it's like Club Med for, for you know, that population. And then we can't take care of the people like the Richards who are here who are local people mm -hmm. and just can't get in that system. Well, well you know, because uh, the numbers are so lopsided here, I think we're number one in the nation as far as per capita per 100,000. Yeah. Lane County has more than anybody. And um, and because we have all these folks coming here, you know, you can eat any you can eat eight different places and get a free meal. Yeah. Everything. 
problem is is that you can't put any individual attention right. to, and trying you know and you don't want people to become caseloads or just Well, that's weird, isn't it? Huh. I guess the uh, internet gods are not shining on us. <laughs> Let me see what I can do here. And hold on, hold that thought. Oh, man. You, you have days like this, you know. Um, I'm going to do this. All right. Excited to bring this next guest on. Um, hold on. What I'm going to do. Let's go up here and we are right about there. Caseloads are just become numbers as opposed to names and people. Um, there. And, and, and actually the, the follow-up where our first person we hired was a, a person, a, a Marine, combat Marine that had gone through veterans court. Uh, he can walk the walk, talk the talk. He and I went through peer mentoring together and he was a peer mentor out there. And this guy was phenomenal. They could relate because He's been there. He's done that. And when these guys uh, come out to us, we, we haven't come out prior to actually moving out there so they can see what it's like out there. Because it's not right for everybody. Some people can't be in the be in yeah. the It's kind of like, well, for, for me being, you know, when Kathy and I lived out in the country mm -hmm. uh, for years. And when we were living in a little town, it's smaller than, you know, Eugene or Springfield. But we were in a neighborhood and I'd see cars going by and I was like, I said to my wife, I never feel like there's peace here. I feel like it's like constant activity. You know yeah. what I mean? But but take the same person who's been in town and put him out in the country, and not everybody wants that that quiet. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's been a very unique experience watching these men grow. Uh, we had one guy that uh, once he graduated, he actually bought two acres up uh, up the McKenzie, and he lives up there. Um, so there's there's a lot of pluses to making this happen, and and then we get veterans that when they were in the military, um, they didn't have the best of experience. So how do we look at that as well? Yeah. So now tell me the poker run this weekend. What tell me about that and that's what to pay this, for. 
this is our sixth annual poker ride. And, and originally we did it, uh, it was an idea of uh, the very first year, how do we get some t-shirts printed up and get our, our name out there? We don't have any money for advertising. And so what would it look like if we had a t-shirt that had our, our logo on it and motorcycle on the back and, you know, could we do something like that? And, and this year, I think that we're, we're really hoping to get at least a hundred riders out there. Wow. And these are all on motorcycles because you're going some of the most beautiful country. So there are, we've invited car clubs. Uh, Bent Rod is looking at coming out as, as long as well as uh, Mopar. And this year we're going to change it up. We changed our design of the t-shirt. Uh, we were going, instead of going to um, Cottage Grove, we're going to go up to uh, Chiefs at in uh, Coburg. And then we're going to go up to the VU in Harrisburg and then over to the, uh, the landing. Um, <clears throat> oh, geez. The landing branch at uh, Monroe. And then we're going to go to the camp out of, off of Territorial all the way out that way. And then oh. camp. And we yeah, so we, yeah, we want, you want to mix it up a little bit. And what we did, it's important for people to come out to the camp and meet our guys. Yes. Yeah. We're doing out there. Um, there's a, a free breakfast. One of our sponsors is putting out biscuits and gravy for everybody. And we had another sponsor. Actually, Derek uh, is uh, buying the hamburgers for lunch. They get a free T-shirt. There's a $1,000 high hand in the poker. And there's a $500 low hand. So, um we do that because it's a, it's a great opportunity for these guys to come out. And this year we actually did a uh, vets can ride free. It was really originally designed as a scholarship because there were some vets that couldn't afford it. But uh, if vets are taken care of, we'll be able to still make a donation. And um, last year we, we actually did pretty good as far as netting when it was all said and done. So we, it's an opportunity for us to sell our swag. Uh, a lot of the bikers have leather vests and they're, they're now wearing our patch on their vest. And um, yeah, it's cool because there's, there's just no other place that, takes our vets and we put them in this holistic, if you will, environment out in the middle of nowhere. And when they come out there, everybody's impressed with how polite these guys are and eager to talk and share their story. And you see the feelings coming through in their conversations. So how do people get tickets and, and sign up and all that kind of so, stuff? Uh, well, we're getting pretty close now. So probably the best thing is uh, I'll be out there. I'll be at the uh, post 83, the American Legion on river road, uh, Friday night, four till eight o'clock or so signing people up. We'll be signing up, during the day as well. Uh, registration starts at nine o'clock on Saturday. <clears throat> uh, the first set of bikes leave at 10. The last bikes have to be out by 11 and we start our run. And, uh, and then for the, the, the bikers, I'm not, I don't ride motorcycle, but um, I should say I never had a permit uh, <laughs> endorsement, but um, it's, it's Dan, I, I have to say it's cause you're not really balanced. <laughs> for anybody else that would hurt. <laughs> But um, uh, for, for the guys that do that, they're going to have uh, bike games, motorcycle games at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We're expecting a lot of people. Allowed to say what they want. And and the reason I do the billboards is because it, it, it hits more people. And I'm not trying to piss people off. I'm just trying to let my I, – I don't want the lockdowns. And then it was um, – you know, back the blue. There's nothing wrong with back in the blue. We need more people supporting uh, supporting our police departments, and uh, and they they need to be dri policemen need to be driving around and seeing that billboard and and feeling good because uh, they've been crapped on. And, and now with the uh, with the new billboard, it wasn't you know some people you had told me because I don't even re read my comments that people had made comments that I was just trying to get attention from Joe Rogan and and uh, and Elon Musk and I don't care about their opinions, uh, but I like the fact that they're free thinkers. They believe in freedom of speech. 
and we uh, that's why I kind of applauded them uh, and I said hey they rock which was a good time because certain things came out um, and I don't believe in all their views but I, we used to be a country that you could actually have views and not hate people and that's what I think those two people represent is they, they're okay with people having different views it's good to have different views it is very good to have different views. Um, I want to um, play something from you from last night. Had an interview with a young man, and uh, I'm going to pull this up. I have to do this the hard way. Uh, but I cut back uh, to like three minutes. Um, some of the highlights of what he said. Uh, Jameson uh, is a young man who experiences life in a wheelchair. He has cerebral palsy, and that has not stopped him. And these were some of the key things that he said that I woke up in the middle of the night and I kept thinking and hearing him say this. And I thought, I got to re-air this stuff because this is too great. So I'm going to find this real quick here. I had it all loaded in, but since our little technical difficulties showed up, um, it got rid of it for me. So he is, hold on, just give me a second. And we'll leave you tonight. Share this on your page so other people know what's going on in our community. And I'm going to leave this with you tonight. This is how we're going to end the show. I often tell people that disability is like minority. And you're probably thinking, well, how does that relate? It's like monarchy because there are two ways of getting in. You're either born into it or you come into it later, just like a disability. And it is a job for life. The, the only difference is people don't call me your majesty and I don't sit on a throne. I sit on a 400-pound piece of steel. Wow. Well, Your Majesty, um, I, I like that analogy. So it's like a monarchy. You're either born into it or you come into it. But you can't get out of it either once you're in it. No, I can't do what Harry did. I can't do what Harry and Meghan did. And nor would I ever. Is you, do you ever, I mean, this is a weird, can I ask you a weird question? Sure. So do you sometimes feel like your your disability is like a, like a blessing? It is a privilege in many ways. It's also very much the bane of my existence in many ways. But in many ways, it's privilege because I know things and see things that other people just can't appreciate. Like what? Uh, the inner beauty and horror of the human soul. I I have had experiences with beautiful people on the inside and ugly people on the inside, and I've run the gamut. <laughs> and you see it pretty fast, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I still get offered kids' menus when I go into a restaurant. I am now 22. I'm now legally entitled to drink alcohol if I wish, but people think I have the mental capacity of a four-year-old. So I get offered kids' menus and coloring books. Oh my gosh. What, did you, what are you saying? I say, actually, I have a gin and tonic. You say what? I say, actually, I'd prefer a gin and tonic. <laughs> to a coloring book? Yeah. Do you ever have times when you wish you didn't have a disability? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If I didn't have this, it would be so much less stress. 
and so much less mental energy that I had to expend, but it would also be so much more boring. Why? Why boring? Because I can guarantee you, I wouldn't have had the opportunities to know the people that I know and to do the things I've done. 